nice to have you, Trudy. Been a while. Thank you. On, Thank on, you, Raghu. Yeah, on mind rolling. Um, so, first of all, any uh, I, I, anybody I talk to, you know, you, all, you inevitably talk about what is going on in our world. Pandemic, politics, polarization, racial injustice, and the whole thing. Um, and actually, you haven't seen this, but we are—we uh, have just released the retreat that we did one year ago, Ramdas's last retreat in Maui, that you were at teaching, and uh, a wonderful little. Um, trailer was made because the bundle it's one of the ways because you know, everything we do is for free from love server member foundation but when we actually prepare and and put up downloads people can purchase them so they can use them anytime they want and i the, saw the clip you did see the clip i okay. saw the clip yeah it's beautiful but i i uh, particularly loved what you said about um Becoming nobody. Now, wait a minute on becoming nobody, okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of that, right? Do you just talk about it for a second? Because it's so uh, relevant. Uh, people misunderstanding basically what Ramdas was talking about, and um, there's a bigger picture, right? Well, there's a bigger picture, and that's it's it's the nobody with a capital N. You know, the nobody that is free from attachments and it, at least in that moment, free from ego uh, concerns. And by ego, I just mean things that we might consider, maybe selfish isn't the right word, but concerns about ourselves. And usually we're looking pretty much at everything through that lens of, you know, will it help me? Will it hurt me? Is it going to yeah. enhance me? Is it, it going to threaten is me? Selfish is kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, it's like looking at the sky through a straw, you know, and just yeah, thinking right. that that little, that little circle, that's it. That's the sky. And the beauty of being with Ramdas is that without having to spend weeks and weeks and months and months and in doing intensive practice, which is a beautiful thing to do, but it's not available to everybody. You need um, support to be able to do that. And th that in his presence, that, that, little, <laughs> that little circle would widen and widen and widen. And his consciousness was so big. And Ramdas wasn't nobody. Ramdas was somebody, and somebody in the world, and somebody with a personality, and somebody that you know. I'm going to tell stories about his humanness, and uh, as well as his divine heart. But so, what does it mean to be nobody? It means being able to hold all that so lightly, and to be able to. Um, you know, do the things that we need to do to support our work in the world. And increasingly, I think this is what I was talking about at the retreat, too. Mm -hmm. Increasingly, that involves branding ourselves, developing social media presence and platforms, and, you know, all the things that have to do with putting ourselves forward as somebody and somebody unique and special. So it seems like a conflict, but actually, we can hold both 
of these um, both of these needs, the need to be somebody for our work in the world so that we can be recognizable in some way and relatable, and also the capacity to let that go, to let it fall away, and to open our hearts to that, you know, that love and, and gigantic perspective that Ramdas had. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, um absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think especially now when there's so much fear and so much anger and so much despair and all of this so understandable um that the you know, the mental health we're talking about getting sick and not wanting to get sick, but the mental health concerns are huge right now and the ability to be both somebody and nobody is what i think we all want to you know to find ways to balance in uh, our emotional and spiritual and relational lives yeah uh, as he used to say we humans can live on more than one plane of consciousness at the same time mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you're talking about yeah, right now that's exactly yeah. what i'm talking about and um do you want me to launch into some stories or do you want to ask me other questions, Raghu? Well, I, I, w- I was going to start. No, we can, we're just chatting. I was going to, no, I was going to start with a con- with an idea that uh, you all, you not always, but you have said more than once. I was a Buddhist. I wasn't into Ramdas. It was further down the line where I actually met him and started spending time with him. Then everything changed. So, yeah, go, let's wind back to that and start So there. to wind back to the early days where I saw Ramdas, he was around, he was at the McClelland House on Washington Street. I mean, it's not like I never saw him, I, but he was, to me, the embodiment of the love and light that at that time felt way too, I don't know, mushy, squishy. Um, flowery. I was a Zen student, you know, and and yeah, Ramdas was interesting and had great things to say. And it's not that I didn't respect him, but I wasn't drawn to him. That's true. Mm. And the idea of you know singing and holding hands and dancing around him just it was not my thing. And so when I first Actually, I was supposed to teach with him. This was sometime maybe 2007, somewhere around there, when um, Sharon couldn't do the retreat that she would usually do with Ram Dass back then. And so I was invited to sub for her. And I was thrilled, actually, at the chance to teach with him and get to know him. But then something came up. It was actually an opportunity to do something with Jack. And... (laughs) uh, there was six months notice, so I thought it wouldn't be too dishonorable to back out of the teaching with Ram Das, which I did. And I did it. Looking back, I can't believe I did it, but I did it. And then a few years, two years later, I think it was, maybe two or three years, um, Jack and Wes Nisker, Jack Cornfield, Wes Nisker brought me to visit Ramdas. This is before Jack and I were together. We were just yeah. friends, but yeah. brought me to the house to visit. And I was really hoping that Ramdas wouldn't remember my name. <laughs> um, and when we met, he just gave me this look and I was like, oh no, 
he completely remembers who I am, <laughs> the person who canceled. Uh, so that was the beginning, but he was, you know, he was, he was perfectly nice. But what happened during, uh, we visited a couple times and each time uh, Jack and West had so much to say at the table, I really never got to say anything. And I didn't really have a sense of Ram Dass. And so I asked uh, if I could have just five minutes alone with him after dinner uh, without the without the guys there. And we spent five minutes, I guess we just kind of stared at each other the way that he can, and he can beam out so much love. My heart just melted and I got it. I was like, mm. oh, 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 this wow. is, this is why everybody loves Ramdas. He can tap into that vast channel, huge channel of love, and he has the capacity to radiate that in a way that is palpable and unmistakable. And, you know, he loved to say that um, Maharaji was the fisherman mm -hmm. and we, the, <laughs> the students, or if you're a disciple, were the fish and that he was simply the bait on the hook. You know, the worm. He said the worm. The worm. Yes, he did say the worm. Thank you. I wasn't going to say it. He did say the worm. I'm just the worm. He said, yeah. but I that worm was so juicy, I was hooked. <laughs> uh, and so I actually started going and doing personal retreats in the little cottage um, mm. right next to the house. And as you know, Ramdas would one of the super monkeys was what I call the helpers in the household because the monkey god, Hanuman, was a god of service and they were really serving uh, along with Dasima, who ran the whole household. One of the super monkeys would wheel Ramdas over to the cottage and then we would spend, it was supposed to be an hour, but it would, it would morph into two hours. He was so generous with his mm. time. I would make him tea and he would be so interested in anything that I wanted to say. I, at one point I was studying, trying to learn to play the piano and I had this little keyboard and he let me play my songs for him. Um, he let me pour my heart out mm. to him. This is what he did. And, you know, many things, I like everybody, I have so many memories and stories, but one of my favorite ones actually is I was pouring my heart out to him about my previous marriage and my divorce. It was very, very traumatic. Uh, I mean, everybody's divorce is traumatic for them, but it was my divorce. So it was particularly traumatic for me. And I was going on and on and telling him about my husband and how we taught and we practiced together and still what happened and how. And he listened and he listened. And then he looked at me, it was perfect, Raghu. He looked at me and he said, you know, I'm more like George than you. In other words, my husband. And it, it just cut through, you know, any sense of, I don't think I was telling it in a super self-righteous sense, but you can't help it. You know, I was right, of course. <laughs> and it just cut through that whole identification because 
I love Ramdas. Of course, I love my husband too. Still, um, but well, in wait, that what's moment, a, what's I wasn't, a husband? Oh, a husband is a former husband. I mean, the it sounds like was, that, but I've never heard it before. Well, okay. I learned that expression, and I loved it and adopted it because I. I never really stopped loving him and I still haven't. And I don't, I didn't like the expression ex, ex ex-husband, you know, like you're just crossing that person out of your life. Um, What do you do with wife though? hmm? What do you do with wife? I don't know. Was wife isn't good. (laughs) That's your koan, Raghu. It sure is. I don't know. I don't know. And I would go on and on. You know, I was at that time, I was responsible for just about everything at Insight LA, you know, Mm. having started this, this meditation center. And, um, oh, it was, I would go through so many uh, difficulties because my training was a psychotherapist and a meditation teacher and not a manager. I'm terrible at that. Not, not how to build an organization. And so, there were lots of struggles uh, for me personally. And, oh, he would listen patiently. And then I would wait for the words of wisdom <laughs> to mm-hmm. arrive. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, that's attachment. You know, after I had laid out the whole situation and was really expecting a, some kind of wise solution, that's attachment. Again, that capacity to just cut right through to, mm-hmm. um, to the heart of the matter, you know, which is ability to let go and let be. And um, so I loved those, those personal retreats, but I also would visit him with Jack and then we got together and we got to be friends. And the more that I became friends with Ramdas, the more the personal retreats would also turn into just being together, you know, having meals together and spending lots of time together. And I, I think, I think I was able to make Randas laugh a lot. He liked to laugh, and I do too. And that was a big thing, I think, in our, in our relationship. And also, I loved Dasima, who was serving him so devotedly. And Dasi and I would go swimming uh, at dawn at Baldwin Beach, um, even when I was on retreat. That would be part of my practice. We would just go swim at dawn and she had to be back always by eight o'clock to help Ramdas get up and um and get ready for the day and just that's just day in day out day in day out uh the way that she served and took care of him I just fell in love with Dasi uh, mm-hmm. as, as well as Ramdas and I watched their relationship evolve because when I first arrived on the scene, it was a little bit, um, not gnarly exactly, but Ramdas resented Dasima trying to take care of him and tell him what to eat and donate this and, you know, all that. She was trying to take care of his health and respond to what his doctors wanted her to do. And for him, it was like his mom and he was resisting her. And and if he said something... <clears throat> um, grumpy to her she would be just devastated the rest of the day you know it was like that and over the years i just watched their relationship become so much more mellow for one thing he could be as grumpy as he wanted dasi was secure in 
her love and his love. And it didn't, you know, it just didn't phase her. And the less that she was phased and reactive, the more that he was able to express his love and trust mm. for her. And I mean, good it example point, right there for sure. Yes. In yes. general. Huh? And for all of us. Right. Yeah. And it got to the point. I remember when um, she was, she had to go to California to have surgery on her knees. And, and I said to Rhonda, it's like, you know, what if something happened to her in the surgery? So why don't you just marry her? <laughs> it was not a sexual or romantic relationship. It was just like, why don't you just do that for medical purposes or, you know? And he said, I've already asked her. <laughs> and it was no. just like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> I, always a step ahead. And I'll just finish with the Ram Das and Dasi part by saying that. Um, during my last uh, solo visit with him, which was during, toward the end of the last year of his life, uh, I told him how I felt about watching her evolve over the years and the intensity of the seva, of the service that she was selflessly and constantly doing and the harmony that she would create in the household, which was challenging, you know, often she was the only female in the household with the male helpers and um, and managing all of that and, and everything that went into his care and the maintenance of the household and, and doing it, you know, organizing the kirtans, um, being counselor to countless people who would come through the house and talk to her and sometimes talk to her about their relationship with Ramdas too. I, I said to him, you know, she really is the ma. I really feel her practice has unfolded in the most profound way. I think you should give her some kind of Dharma transmission um, before you pass away. And so we did that. We went out onto the balcony outside of his upstairs room we, you know, made this beautiful table and a little altar. And Dossie was so shy. She didn't even want to do it. But we did it. And he, you know, he gave her the darshan. And <laughs> Really? I never uh, knew this. Oh. I, well, of course, Dossie was too humble. She would never tell you this. That's mm. why I'm telling you this. So <laughs> that this story exists and is recorded. And then I took a photograph, which, of course, I can't find right now. But that's... I lose stuff all the time i don't i have to find that photograph um mm. but that did happen uh, mm. toward just toward the end mm. um so that was another kind of transmission really is is watching their relationship and and by the end by the last uh visit by the last couple of visits when i was there dasi was she had softened so much and he had opened his heart so much to her that they would just do that looking at each other with so much love. And it was, it was inspiring and it was beautiful. Um, you know, and I mean, look, I, I became part of the household. I would go to doctor's appointments with him. Um, you know, I would, when he was in the hospital in March um, of 2019, I guess it was. He was in the hospital for uh, a, February, a couple of times. 
Right. But then I think he had to go back again in March. I thought it was March. Yeah. And we had come and he was actually in the hospital pretty much the whole week that we were there. And I remember um, feeding him, having the opportunity to feed him. Mm. Uh, He let me feed him his food in the hospital. Mm. And Dr. Raj was there. And I think he even let Dr. Raj feed him some. Mm -hmm. And again, witnessing that total surrender that Ramdas himself talked about that you know he liked to be the giver and the one in the in the of course in the strong power seat um it's 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 a role that felt very um natural to him but when he had his stroke and had to receive so much care and was so helpless in so many ways uh I don't know how he did it, but he perfected the art of surrender so that one always felt that he was present in his complete dignity and the majesty of who of his of his being and his heart. And yet he could let you feed him without there, even without there being a trace. Talk this was a moment of becoming nobody. Mm, becoming yeah. nobody who mm-hmm. would object, nobody who was trying to pretend they were not in the situation they were in. Mm. Um, yeah. No pretense, just pure, clear, loving, surrendered presence. Yeah. And I remember once, um, it was during one of the retreats that I did with him, and we meditated together. And afterwards, I was so curious. I, thought, I said, what do you do when you meditate? Like, what are you actually doing when you meditate? And he said, I take uh, Maharaji's blanket. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, his guru. I take Maharaji's blanket and I just enfold the entire world in that blanket. And then, you know, he would widen that that embrace of the blanket and basically enfold the whole universe in that blanket. Mm. And I just loved hearing him speak about these things. I just fell 100% in love with him. And, you know, I mean, he would let me massage his feet. He would also let me totally snuggle him. Like he loved to snuggle and he loved to kiss me and I loved to kiss him. Again, nothing romantic or sexual, just, you know, just, <laughs> just closeness and love. And, um, and speaking of love, he married Jack and me, as you know, we got married in the garden uh, behind the house and he was so happy, you know, Wherever there was love, Ramdas just liked to bask in it, right? Mm. And he was really, really happy for us. And we have beautiful photographs uh, of him and of that day. And I think uh, his favorite part of the ceremony <laughs> was, you know, at some point the officiant asks um, the uh, couple who are getting married, do you take this person for, you know, in sickness and health and mm-hmm. for this lifetime, basically? And I got so enthusiastic that 
when he asked me that, I just looked at Jack, who I adored, and I said, I still do, and I still feel this way. And I said, how about lifetime after lifetime? <laughs> and Rhonda started laughing, and Jack turned pale. <laughs> <laughs> he said, one lifetime at a time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. You know, and anyway, it was it was wonderful. I loved teaching um, with Ram Dass. At first, the first time I taught in front of him, I was super intimidated. Because, mm. not because he was judgmental, although he could be, but uh, that was certainly um, a capacity that he had. But not because of that, but because I never... Uh, I've always had to struggle with confidence uh, and um, fear in the teaching seat. And so whenever I'm in a new situation, that comes up and I need to move through it. And, and Ram Dass made a point of sitting right up in front and really listening. The first He was curious, you know. And afterwards, he was so affirming and generous and complimentary that after that, I loved teaching with and in front of him. I mean, we didn't teach on the stage together, but, you know, at the retreats where he would be listening. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, another thing that stands out in my mind is one night after dinner, it was just a beautiful night. You know, the way it can be on Maui, there were so many stars. And I said, let's go swimming. And he just, you know, picked it up right away. Yes, let's go swimming. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a deal to get Ramdas ready to go into the pool. And, and he, you know, needs help, of course, um, getting his swim stuff on and then getting in the pool. And But it all happened. And it was a starry night. And it was Dasi and Ramdas and me. And I can't remember which super monkey was in the pool with us. And Ramdas floated on, we took turns. There were a few of them floating on those. Uh, they're kind of like blown up mattresses that you can float on in a pool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all just floated and looked at the stars. And it was completely blissful and ecstatic. And during, I think it was the second to the last visit, we were, we had dinner, all of us, and in the household. And, and after dinner, I asked Ramdas if I could, you know, just take him for a walk, because it was, again, a beautiful starry night. I think there was a full moon or something, and, um, and I could push his wheelchair outside once we got help getting outside and we were walking and and I said I can't really remember to be honest in this moment if I said it or if he said it but he said let's go swimming (laughs) and I was like yes let's get in the pool and look at the stars and the problem was uh, at that point he had a port which is like an open place where medicine can Mm. go directly into Mm. Um, his veins and so we couldn't actually do that but just even you know he wasn't well he hadn't been well but that sparkle and that um, just kind of quality of being up for anything 
I love that mm. uh, about about Ramdas. Yeah. And and I guess the other thing that um, that happened at the last visit when we were there together, uh, it wasn't the the retreat that was the official last visit. Uh, it was the one before when he was still able to talk a bit more. And Jack is such, um, I guess, a cheerleader for me. He's always encouraging me. And I have been doing some, I had been doing some writing. I'm still doing that writing. And mm -hmm. he, um, he said, why don't you read Ramdas, something you've written? And I thought I had gotten over that self-consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. No, it all bubbled up <laughs> to the surface. And it was like, mm -hmm. no, I, I'd really rather not. But everybody at the table was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, please, please. So I read a couple of the short pieces that I had written. See, I even gulped. My mouth gets dry just remembering that moment. <laughs> 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 you know, I got over myself, became enough, there was enough nobody there to be able to do it. <laughs> but the somebody was, you know, right there too. And, and Ramdas, he listened. And at the end, he said, this is beautiful. And that's really all he said. But <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure I would somehow manage to forget. But, you know, his, um, he just means, he meant so much to me. And even mm. though he has passed away, I still feel so close to him at times, as I'm sure you do too, Raghu. I feel, I turn to him in my meditation sometimes if I feel I need inspiration. Um, because his light and his love are still here for us. And whatever we may believe about what happens to souls, you know, Ramdas used to tell us that he was going to soul land. Whatever we may believe about what happens to souls, he's in our hearts very powerfully. And um, and I think the other gift that I felt he gave me um, and really gave to all of us equally is his being 100% himself at all times. He just didn't fake it. And he was very self-disclosing about his own struggles, especially if he felt that there was some idealization coming towards him. He would want to cut right through that. Um, and I Unlike you and unlike, you know, those of you part of the Guru Bhai who were around um, Maharaji and, and many people since, my primary connection was not to Maharaji, it's to Ramdas, to the worm, that juicy worm that I love. Uh, and even though I have had an experience of Darshan with Maharaji, just mystically once in a meditation retreat, Actually, it's a quick story. I'll tell you. Yeah, no, I, I was I was sitting uh, a meditation retreat at IMS, the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, and it was a few weeks in. So that's you know day and night, day and night. But um, when was this before Ramdas in your closest? Oh yeah, this was before I met Ramdas. 
So you were uh, like you weren't uh, down with Ramdas in the sense of the, no. what he represented. So this is right? no Ramdas was not on my radar Nothing. to be honest, and neither was Maharaji. Y- yeah, right. um, he wasn't, and that I mean I had read Be Here Now and been very affected by it, like everybody. But no, he wasn't on my radar, and. I liked to meditate outside and even in New England. So it was, I remember because it was snowy and I walked down to the beaver pond, which actually I don't think even exists anymore. And I was in my parka and I had brought blankets and I was sitting cross-legged on this wooden bench facing the pond, just meditating uh, in the cold. And I wasn't cold. I was just sitting. And suddenly I heard this really loud sound of kirtan again harmonium kirtan not i mean they're pretty and i like them but they didn't have spiritual significance Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. me just Mm -hmm. pretty songs but there was nobody around and there was a van parked sort of i could see it down the road um but it was too far away i thought well why would they have their doors open blasting kirtan and anyway it was too far away and the music was too loud and i don't know what made me but i remember i looked up and there was maharaji in the sky and he was laughing and i thought oh i think i've slipped into sharon's mind stream somehow like there was no way i could understand <laughs> why he appeared and and it was just a joyful moment of the music and the laughter and then it vanished and i remember telling i think i told sharon about it when it was my turn to speak to a teacher in the retreat and because you know sharon really was very close to ramdas all those years and had uh you know a spiritual connection to uh to maharaji so who knows, did I slip into her mind stream or did he slip into mine or uh, is there any sameness or difference there? You know? <laughs> These are the kinds of beautiful, What did mystical... Sharon say when you said? I don't remember her saying much of anything. I think she just sort of smiled. You know, it was, it was a meditation retreat. We were deep in. She uh-huh. wasn't going to chat with me in uh-huh, that context. Right, right. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't remember her saying too much of anything, actually, but um, <laughs> but Ramdas liked that story when I told him. Yeah. I can't remember what I, I had even forgotten about it, and then I thought, oh, you know what? I did have some connection once, mm. and and that, and that was, was it. it. Yeah. That, and and that was it, really. When I started going to the retreats, you know, teaching there and chanting, doing kirtan with Krishna Das, and that never happened again. Um, I had Ramdas. So, mm. yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the first moment that I, and I've, you probably have heard this before because I say it at the retreats or I tell the story at the retreats, but the first moment of that which you're talking about of complete contact with Ramdas two feet away and being enveloped in the way that I was and the trust and the open-heartedness and non-conditionality in the moment it happened from that moment all the way to the last moment which was uh, maybe 10 days i left 10 days before he left yes, last year yes that's I when left we left house. yeah and 
he looked at me and we contacted exactly the same from beginning to end. There was never any change. And it was, of course, only when I, and Maharaji made fun of it too, when I saw for the first second when Neem Karoli Baba came out these doors and I'm, we're all waiting for it was me and Krishnadas and Ramesh and a couple other people, Anasuya, who you know, I believe. Yeah. And uh, one of the first thoughts, aside from what everybody says, home, oh my God, okay, I'm home. Aside from that was, oh shit, that's what Ramdas was all about. It was one of the yeah. thoughts that I never forget. And then he used to jive me, Maharaji, and say, is Ramdas your guru? <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved Ramdas so much. and I, uh, I loved him so much too. And I also have to say, I also enjoyed being around you and Ramesh and, you know, the people who really, uh, were around Maharaji and the, um, you know, the old timers around yeah. Ramdas, the yeah. lifers around Ramdas. <laughs> yeah, lifers. Are yeah, around. yeah. Um, well, here's something, and you can reflect off this because you are talking about. You know, I was a Zen student, a Buddhist. I was not into love and light. You know, Trungpa used to. Talking about the McClellans, we, I don't know. You might have even been there with Jack. I can't remember. We, if I don't even know if you knew Jack back then. but uh, I did. I've known Jack since the second retreat he ever taught. I've known Jack. Oh, really? Pretty, oh, I've known Jack, yeah, since forever. we were in our 20s. Oh. And, and Trungpa had a center just up the street from the McClellans' house. That was the first um, Dharmadhatu. That was the first. Yeah, yeah center that he started on upland and i think it was upland in washington but mm. it was right around the corner yeah well he of course used to refer to ramdas and us as the love and lighters we used to go down from yeah. my my father had a farm in quebec and it was a couple hours drive to uh, tale of the tiger which what uh, trunko's place yeah. was called at that time and mercilessly he would jive us about that love and light stuff. so of course, it made sense within the context of a sophisticated Buddhist person, shall we say. And I'm saying that but for really, effect, but only for I effect. I know, I uh, know, but really, Raghu, here's the crazy part, which is that when you do intensive practice, whether it's Zazen, you know, I don't care if it's Tibetan Buddhism or Zen Buddhism or really any of the Buddhist practices, when you immerse yourself and you do intensive practice what happens you know your heart opens and fills with love and you realize there is love in the universe and what else happens at times things become very luminous and so it's just that there's i don't know it's, it's almost like a kind of um hesitation to name it like it, i don't know why mm. uh I, I don't know. And I don't know. I'm not really immersed in those communities so much anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe maybe it, it's kind of like in psych, Western psychotherapy for so many years, you couldn't use the word love. It was too, um, had too many connotations that, yeah, talk about mushy and squishy. I mean, it just had too many of those connotations. Mm. And 
uh, but that's all changed, you know, and I'm sure today, um, you know, if some of the Buddhist teachers of back then were alive, they wouldn't be saying those things (laughs) that they said back then. (laughs) We could start a whole new thing. The mushy Squishy group. (laughs) We can uh, trademark it and get an Instagram thing. Maybe we'll call it that. Yeah, right. Mushy. No, you are. You're good at. You're look at getting, keeping love serve remember going, keeping the teachings coming out regularly. um, You know, doing events and stuff. You're still doing all that, Raghu, and you are good at it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Trudy. Yeah. Oh, so we were hoping that we could have a retreat. We were so hoping we could have one more retreat this year just to honor yeah. Ramdas, you know. Um, anyway. I just talked to Jack about it because he wondered uh, what was possibly going to happen in a year yeah. in, in December of 2021. And we're heading there and looking like, okay, we're going to say the right prayers and do the right thing and see what the universe speaks to us. But I said, we ha- we're yeah. all set to do May it. it so that everybody, yeah. So what I wanted to mention and get kind of, it'll turn around to you uh, because there's some similarities, although Roshi Joan Halifax knew Ramdas very, I mean, they were very close for ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From no, she earliest, was there a lot when we were there. Yeah. And she was, you know, from the earliest years. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a podcast with her and Duncan, I think. And uh, I said, you know, you've been hanging out with Ramdas all these years. And the reference of Maharaji is ever present. And you're a Zen person and so on. Um, what, what, do you th- what does he mean to you? Or what have you ever picked up? Are being around Ramdas related to Neem Karoli Baba. So she said, this was so great. She said, when I look at his picture, he's just empty. Yeah. Empty. We, interestingly enough, uh, and that's all of our experience. There, there wasn't the, there was a talk, th- that was the real nobody that we ever met because there was no subjective self-referential anything going on you know we knew that uh, but um one day ramdas did a, was doing a little seminar at the house and actually roshi was part of it and somehow they asked him just you know so what did you really feel when you were with neem karoli baba maharaji and he just started to talk for a minute and, and some of the things that everybody's heard before, the usual around the kind of unconditional love that he got and everything with his family, everything with his career and friends and everything, that was all conditional. So that was the first time, and you know how he used to talk about that. But then all of a sudden he kind of looked back up and he went, he was so empty. And he repeated it over and over and got into that feeling, Bob, that spiritual mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. of being in that moment, that mm-hmm. ever-present moment. Mm-hmm. The moment he met him that first time, the moments mm-hmm. he shared with everyone, the moments you're talking about, the moments I'm talking about, that ever-present, full moment, uh, empty, love, empty, whatever you, you know, it's like you said, 
there, there's the uh, what is uh, Bob Thurman calls uh, emptiness the womb of bliss or something. He has this neat little aphorism around it, and uh, so even though she. You know, they always had this jive going on around. He'd look and he'd say soul and he'd look at her and he'd go, sorry about that or something like that. <laughs> you know, he'd do it with all of the Buddhist friends of ours. You know, it was a, a, a standing joke. But she obviously, there was a connection there to what is represented by Ramdas with everybody. Everything that you're talking about and your whole relationship and the the, the way he was as a, uh, in this particular incarnation, I mean, it just—it's all referential for me, coming from Ninkaroli Bama. So when she said that, it was my experience. And but so, you—you you obviously described that that one experience, which you know the vastness of of, of whatever this thing is. But um, does that and it was resound joyful. at all with you and your it own was, experience? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, first of all, that that, I don't know, darshan, whatever you would call it, of the kirtan, the music, yeah. him appearing in the sky, whatever that was, I I felt it was very joyful. Um, not and, and again, you could say empty joy because it wasn't attached to any personal feeling yeah. or flavor. Yeah. It was just joy. And when I was in the house and at the retreats and, you know, seeing the gigantic pictures of Maharaji. And for those of you who haven't been in Ram Dass's house, there's just pictures of Maharaji everywhere, on yeah. the wall, yeah. on the dining room table, in the kitchen, I mean, everywhere. And he became, I don't know, it was just part of the air that you breathed in that household. And I did think of, I guess, that, um, I think it was Nisargadatta who said, love tells me I'm everything, mm. wisdom tells me I'm nothing, and between those two, my life flows. Um, I think when I reflect on Maharaji, or when I was at the uh, temple in Taos, which I visited, and I love that Hanuman statue mm. in Taos. Mm. Uh, that is the phrase that comes to mind. The love, I didn't, I mean, I experienced his joy, but I didn't feel any personal love the way you might have felt in a you know, physical presence of Maharaji at the beginning. But I... I felt um, the love in everybody around that Maharaji was um, almost like like pulling the love out, just like new teaching situations would pull out my fear. I feel like mm -hmm. Maharaji was drawing, you know, just pulling the love out of everybody. So that it wasn't a direct connection to him, but it was his reflection in yeah. everybody in the household and all mm -hmm. the people in the retreats and and the mala ceremonies at the end of the retreat when everybody would just be melting into tears because that wave of blessing, Jinji Lap, we call it in the Tibetan tradition, that wave of blessing was just so 
palpable and strong from Ram Das. Mm. So the love and then the nothing part, when I would look, I would try to stare at the eyes of Maharaji and see if something would happen mm-hmm. because everybody else was so into him. And I really, you know, like I said, I was into Ram Das. So sometimes I would just stare at the eyes and it was like staring into the eyes of uh, some of my early Zen master teachers where there was this very penetrating clarity, but it was uh, kind of fathomlessly deep. And that makes it empty because when you're in your self with all of your self concerns that we normally have that are just part of life, that's not what the eyes look like. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what the gaze looks like. Yeah, right. you know? But you yeah. know, Trudy, the reality of your expression of Ramdas's love, which has been so full and joyful and so connective, I don't think we've ever even had this com- kind of conversation. You know, we've talked a lot, but we've never talked about what you're expressing, you know, this experience with Ramdas. That is that he was able to just be in in this moment, as he, he used to call it, with everybody, all the yeah. way extended to 400 yeah. people in one place, in one time or more. And mm-hmm. that, that creation really, uh, as I say, when I first met Neem Karoli Baba, I went, that's what Ram Dass was all about. It was a, a, a complete through line. Yeah, a, a complete through line. So, and that that's thing, beautiful. that's, a, you know, the man in the blanket that we knew or whatever that thing is beyond that corporal, you know, relative experience, who knows, right? But it yeah, certainly comes from that one place, which is, you know, we don't have any good words, you know, the love and unconditional love and bliss and emptiness. You know, we, we have, it's it's probably a nice mix of all that. The reality is that we were, we were fortunate to be with it. We were really fortunate to be with him. And, you know, the experience is wordless and it's beyond words. And so we, you know, we look for words that capture a piece of it, some dimension of it. But the it that the words are pointing to is just you know so much bigger than any word and and i you know you mentioned that we hadn't ever talked this way and you didn't really know these things Mm. um about my relationship with him and i think sometimes sometimes somebody does have to pass away for us to have Mm. these kinds of conversations which are to me the healthiest form of grieving the healthiest form of expressing the um the loss of his physical being. Um, you know, I haven't been back to the house because of the pandemic. Um, no, that's not true. I did. I went back to the house and stayed there actually uh, in February when we had the memorial on yes, Maui. Yes, right. That's right. I, I forgot. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did stay there and say, but being at that time, the house felt still very full of his presence. It didn't really feel like an absence yet. Um, but then it felt more like an absence, especially the last few days when we would have been having the retreat. And having these kinds of conversations, Raghu, and being able to remember together and mm. just share the love, to me, that is, um, yeah. it's a tribute to Ram Dass. It's a tribute to the 
power of the love that we have felt in our hearts. And it's also, I think the most, um, the word that came into my mind again, it was sort of like magnificent way to grieve mm. somebody mm. we love. Mm. That's so great. As you can hear my doggies. I can see your doggie. Your doggie wants to do something else. Can you, we're doing a podcast, Maya. <laughs> um, I was going to say that there's one, because we've got to show people his experience in Maui. And uh, so uh, we've been taking, it's called Moments of Joy and Wisdom, Ramdas in Maui. And we've been finding different little things of him. And uh, so there's this one footage of the last uh, cere mala ceremony. And they had a piece of footage because we were talking about Ramdas is with us. I mean, Ramdas is so every day. That's all I'm doing. And, you know, I'm passing stuff through my head about, gee, what, what's the, what's he going to, what's the boss going to say now about this? Or should we do this? Should we do that? But this footage is Ramdas. I, I went up and I'm pranaming, and this is Ramdas. He goes like this. <laughs> They've got it. I have that in my head now on a day to day basis. It's similar <laughs> to Neem Karoli Bob, who used to watch out, buddy. And uh, this is what I have with me now, always. So, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Ramdas. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you really are immersed every day. It's, that's wonderful. Yeah, no, fortunate. Yeah. Really fortunate. Thanks yeah. so much for being here, Trudy. It's so great. Thank you. I'm glad we finally got a time to do yeah. this. Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Really, it's a pleasure. Thank you for, um, yeah, thank you for asking. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, as you just said, uh, what a tremendous opportunity that I have not heard your story, and we were t there a lot together with him. I know, you know? a lot. So it's really sweet to, to, to get the story. And yeah. by the way, yeah. and one of the reasons we haven't been able to get together as quickly as we want is because you've been writing a book. Can I ask, what, do you have a name for the book? Or I a don't theme? have a name for the book. Um, I have about, I have three possibilities. Um, for a book, for the title for the book. Um, but what the book is, is really some stories from my life. I was blessed to have some amazing teachers, some stories of, you know, my time with teachers that meant a lot to me, but also some of the stories from my growing up that mm. I really would love for my, uh, mm. my grandchildren and maybe all grandchildren, but certainly my grandchildren their interest, well, we have the little one who's just turned two, but my, um, the older ones are 16 and 19, and their level of interest in my life right now probably hovers somewhere around zero. <laughs> but someday that will change. I don't yeah. know about you, but I wish my parents had left stories of their lives mm. and how they got to be who they were. Mm. And Actually, my um, mom did. She wrote a book. Really? Yeah, it's fantastic. That's unusual. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah. So th it's very simple, really. I just want to tell some stories mm. of my life that I oh. thought, I mean, I've actually, look, like every life, there's been plenty of tragedy in my life. Um, you know, my first, first husband, um, 
committed suicide. You know, I, mm. I mean, there've been plenty of tragic things, but basically I feel I've been blessed to have had a pretty fun and happy life in the midst of it all. And mm. I'd like to be able to just share that and say, look, look how much fun this was. And mm. this really wasn't, but look what I learned from it. Yeah. You know, just yeah. simple things like yeah. that. That's it's, great. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. great. We'll Thank see it next year. Of course, we'll we'll be doing a podcast and sharing it with people. So, thank you. All the thank best you. of luck with it. Again, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you thank so much. You. Take care of yourself. You too. See you next. Stay safe. See you soon in person. God willing. I hope you know? so. I mean, we I live, so. you know, not that far apart. You know. So. I know. Well, when I go back to LA. Yeah, I will see. We're not that far apart. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully next time thank you okay honey love you love you too